people of God, let us now open our Bibles to the 13th chapter of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 13. We will read the entirety of the chapter this evening. Will you bow with me in prayer? Our Father, we are aware that we are a people blessed by sovereign grace to have the Word of God enthroned in our hearts and in our lives, to have the rich heritage that stems all the way through redemptive history, through the prophets and through the apostles, and to be a part of the people of God saved by grace. To be a reformed church, to be a church that by thy grace alone understands those great principles of the Protestant Reformation. To be blessed with a Presbyterian heritage. To be blessed with an understanding that thou art a covenant God. And now to come to the word as the people of God through the centuries have come to the Word to read it and hear it preached. Help us never to count a light thing this great privilege. And bless the pastors of this church that we may open thy Word privately, that we may commune with the Lord, and out of hearts that are full, preach the gospel. And bless this congregation that the word proclaimed publicly will have supernatural influence upon our growth in grace and will drive us, each of us, uh, to his knees that we may search the word for ourselves. And bless Heavenly Father that the work of the Holy Spirit upon which we completely depend for the preached word will be with us even this evening. For to use the ordinary means of grace is nonetheless an extraordinary thing. And we pray for extraordinary results from the word proclaimed. This night and every time the word is opened in this place until Christ comes again is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your copy of God's word and stand. We are reading 1 Kings chapter 13. This is the word of God. And behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offerings, and the man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offerings on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down, and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. And when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him. And his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. 
The altar also was torn down and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king said to the man of God, Entreat now the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me, that my hand may be restored to me. And the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him and became as it was before. And the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. And the man of God said to the king, If you give me half of your house, I will not go in with you, and I will not eat bread or drink water in this place. For so was it commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall neither eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way that you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. Now an old prophet lived in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told to their father the words that he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, which way did he go? And his son showed him the way that the man of God who came from Judah had gone, and he said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and mounted it. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with you or go in with you, neither will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, you shall neither eat bread nor drink water there nor return by the way that you came. And he said to him, I also am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you into your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. And as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, Thus says the Lord, Because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command that the Lord your God commanded you, but have come back and have eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water, your body shall not come to the tomb of your father's. And after he had eaten bread and drunk, he saddled the donkey for the prophet whom he had brought back. And as he went away, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his body was thrown in the road, and the donkey stood beside it. The lion also stood beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown in the road and the lion standing by the body. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. And when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord has given him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word that the Lord spoke to him. And he said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. And he went and found his body thrown in the road and the donkey and the lion standing beside the body. The lion had not eaten the body or torn the donkey. And the prophet took up the body of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back to the city to mourn and to bury him. 
and he laid the body in his own grave. And they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And after he had buried him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying that he called out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places, they are in the cities of Samaria, shall surely come to pass. After this thing, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but made priests for the high places again from among all the people. Any who would, he ordained to be priests of the high places. And this thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam, so as to cut it off and to destroy it from the face of the earth. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. People of God, this takes place in the reign of Jeroboam I, the leader of the ten northern tribes, after the division of Israel and Judah after the death of Solomon. This man was guilty of will worship. He established in Dan and Bethel altars and worship places so that the people of God would not be drawn south to Jerusalem. And because of this will worship, the Lord sent a prophet, and we don't even know his name. He is the unnamed prophet. And he confronted the king as he was burning sacrifices on the altar, on the idolatrous altar. And he cried out against the altar and spoke the word of the Lord. And he prophesied three things. He prophesied first that in the future a man named Josiah would be born into David's house. He prophesied that Josiah would desecrate the altar by burning on it the bones of the priests, and that as a sign that the first two prophecies would come to pass, the altar would be split open and the ashes would pour out. Now, in about 300 years, the first two prophecies would be fulfilled, and you can read about that in 2 Kings 23. This is one of the many, many instances showing the sovereignty of God over all things and the trustworthiness of the Word of God, the accuracy of His Word. You know, today there is a viewpoint, even among evangelicals, men calling themselves evangelicals, holding that God cannot know certain the future. He just can't know it. Well, this is unworthy of the Bible's teaching regarding God and His Word. Of course, not only does He know the future, but in some inscrutable way, He foreordains whatsoever comes to pass. But here, the unnamed prophet prophesies against the altar, O altar, altar. And Jeroboam reached out and commanded that the guards arrest the prophet, and when he did so, his hand withered, and he was unable to return it to his body. And as this was happening, the altar split and the ashes of sacrifice were poured out just as the man of God said would happen. And Jeroboam then asked the prophet to entreat the Lord's favor, and the Lord kindly restored his hand. In all of this, we see the Lord's scorn of idolatry, we see the jealousy that he has for his own name, and we are called from the curse of our own altars to the true altar and the true sacrifice, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Jeroboam I was a cultural relativist and a theological liberal. And if we had time, we could spend all of our time there, but we move on. And as we come to the unfolding of this passage, note first of all with me 
that we have a prophet who is courageous and obedient. So the first point is a courageous and obedient prophet. His courage, the word of the Lord came to him. He went and he prophesied before Jeroboam I regarding this altar and regarding his sin and idolatry. Jeroboam did not repent, but he invited the prophet home offering him a reward. He's spiritually blind, this Jeroboam. He won't give up his sin. He'll give a few pennies to the church and everything will be okay. He'll just reward the man of God. The prophet had received instructions from the Lord and would not eat or drink with anyone in Bethel. He was told to go home and to do so by another route than the one by which he had come. He tells us that in uh, verse 9 when he says, For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall neither eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way that you came. Now this showed the Lord's disdain for idolatry, his hatred of all that would detract from his glory, and the prophet was to share no table fellowship with Jeroboam or anyone there. Ellsworth, in his commentary, says Jeroboam's idolatry was so detestable to the Lord that the very path the prophet had walked to reach Bethel was, as it were, defiled and should not be walked again. The prophet's instructions may seem to us quaint and unnecessary, but they serve as lasting reminders of eternal truths. God's people are not only to refuse to fellowship with idols, but are also to despise anything that entices or leads to idolatry. I remember and remind you of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, but now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one, no, not to eat. Or one could go to the first psalm many places in God's Word to see this principle. The prophet must follow the Word of God. He doesn't have to understand it. He has to obey it. God's Word was clear. Jeroboam had set this Word aside. Well, what about you and me? What about us? In what ways are we tempted to set aside the Word of God? What about the church today? Do you believe that the church today is living with this compelling desire to obey, thus saith the Lord. Oh, I wish that I could say the church in our land in general uh, wanted to do that, uh, pined to do that. I wish I could say that our denomination does. But the prevailing profession of Christians today is often so far removed from a concern for what the Bible teaches. And we're so often concerned about what we think or feel. Jeroboam, even after all this, does not change. And he does not repent. He lost his house and he lost his soul because he did not follow the word of the Lord. But now a strange thing follows, and at the end we will see that it's closely related to the whole narrative about Jeroboam. Jeroboam could not flee God's word. He heard the word from this prophet outside of Bethel, 
and from a prophet within Bethel. But now let's give attention to this strange narrative of this deceptive prophet. So we have, secondly, a deceptive prophet. We read in verse 11 of this passage, Now an old prophet lived in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words that he had spoken to the king. Now was he a true prophet or was he a false prophet? The indications are that he was a false prophet. Perhaps he had been trained in one of the prophetic schools that had been established under Samuel. Perhaps he had been faithful, but then declined and was so no longer. For whatever reason, curiosity or shame or a perverse desire to deceive, or maybe he wanted to shore up his image in front of his boys, he sent to persuade the man of God from Judah who had just prophesied against the altar to come and stay with him. Someone has suggested that his motive was, and I quote, to negate the word of judgment against Bethel by showing up the man of God as false. Well, I don't know. And in any case, he did not reprove Jeroboam, this false prophet. He was not there with the unnamed prophet that came to Bethel to prophesy against Jeroboam and his altar, nor had he gone independently to prophesy against it and to stand for the word of the Lord. Somewhere along the way, this man was, this man just lost his way. And I think that as we see often in scripture, I'm sure it must have been a gradual thing until he found himself gradually completely in darkness. That's usually the way it happens, you know. Someone professes faith in Christ or a minister is zealous to preach the word and then there's compromise here and compromise there until one day he wakes up and he's no longer what he professed himself to be because ultimately he was never there to begin with. Well, this unnamed prophet who had come to prophesy against Jeroboam the first, he would not come. Had not the Lord told him what to do? And so he repeats in verses 15 and following, then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with you or go in with you. Neither will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, you shall neither eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by the way that you came. Now he's already said that to Jeroboam, he wouldn't go with him. And now he says it to this prophet, this old man, this old prophet that wants him to come home with him. The word of the Lord to the unnamed prophet was clear as a bell. You will not eat bread, drink water. You will not even go back by the way you came. And so the old prophet from Bethel lied through his teeth, saying that the Lord had through an angel told him that it was all right for him to come and take refreshment at his table. He actually pretended that he had received a revelation from the Lord. Some angelic being had told him that this is what God would have him to do. That the good prophet come and dine with him. One prophet to another. We're in the same field. You know, it's okay. You just come and, and be with me. Then you can be on your way. Well, do you not see why our Lord tells us to beware of false prophets? Do you not see why our Lord tells us not to believe every spirit? Uh, people of God, learn God's word and do not be naive. Learn God's word and do not be misled. There is only one place that is a solid place for you to stand, and that is on the word of God. The prophet from Judah 
should not have listened. And instead, he should have listened to the word of the Lord. Verse 18, and he said to him, I also am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you into your house that he may eat bread and drink water. Does this remind you of Galatians chapter 1? That though we are an angel from heaven should preach unto you any other gospel than we preach, let him be anathema. And the text says, but he lied. And then in verse 19, so he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Twice he has said, God says I am not to do this thing. And now he goes and against the word of the Lord, he eats and drinks with this old prophet. I think it was Matthew Henry who said, this meal cost him dearly. It did indeed. Third thing, a true prophecy from a false heart. A true prophecy from a false heart. There's this prophet from Judah ready to take refreshment at the old prophet's table. And then the old prophet from Bethel was given the word of the Lord. The prophet from Judah who had been so used of the Lord before whom King Jeroboam had cowered. This great prophet will not even get home. Verse 20. As they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back, and he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command that the Lord your God commanded you, but have come back and have eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, eat no bread and drink no water, your body shall not come to the tomb of your father's. So when he's going back, what happens? As he went away, verse 24, the lion, a lion met him on the road. This is providentially ordained of the Lord. Met him on the road and killed him. He didn't devour him. He killed him. And his body was thrown in the road. And the donkey stood beside it. The lion also stood beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown in the road and the lion standing by the body. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. He left for home, and on his way, the word of the Lord against him was fulfilled. You know, I just read about a martyrdom of a Reformed lady in Gloucester in Gloucestershire in um, 15-something, early 1500s, in which um, the chancellor for the bishop who was, who was there with a crowd of people burning this woman to the stake, a bull got loose, and the bull went right through the children and the women without harming anybody, and went right to this chancellor and gored him to death. Interesting parallel, isn't it? Well, that's what happens when the prophet disobeyed the word of the Lord. The old man from Bethel heard what had happened and went to take up his body, and he shows respect to the prophet as God's man. Even the lion seems to respect him, just there beside him. The old prophet took the body and mourned over him and buried him in his own tomb. Alas, my brother, alas, my brother, 
In verse 29, the prophet took up the body of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid the body in his own grave and they mourned over him saying, alas, my brother. And after he had buried him, he said to his sons, when I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. What was this old prophet thinking? Maybe he was thinking of his own sin Maybe he was thinking of his own rebellion. Might he have been thinking, why him and not me? He was far more faithful than I. In any case, again, Matthew Henry, the wonderful preservation of his dead body was a token of God's mercy remembered in the midst of wrath. Now, the old prophet asked that his body be placed in the same tomb, assured everyone that the prophet of Judah had spoken God's truth that would be fulfilled, The old prophet seems to have maybe been somewhat recovered. Maybe. He seems to care about the truth once again. Perhaps the power of the word of the Lord has regained its strength in his heart. Well, I can't say for sure, but what about you and me? How have you and I wavered on the authority of the word of God? Does it need to be recovered in your life? Are you willing to stand for the Bible, for the commands of God, when others around you do not? Does the strength of the Word of God need to be recovered in your soul? Do you need to stand up straight and tall in the power of His might once again? And if the prophet that deceived the unnamed prophet who had confronted Jeroboam was recovered to the authority of God's Word, that is certainly not true of Jeroboam. And before we turn again to Jeroboam, contemplate these words from the old commentator Matthew Henry. We cannot judge of men by their sufferings, nor of sins by their present punishment. With some some the flesh is destroyed that the spirit may be saved, while with others the flesh is pampered that the soul may ripen for hell. I do think we cannot doubt that this also was a witness against Jeroboam who deserved far worse than the unnamed prophet. But maybe there's somebody here that needs to think about some godly person that has been taken away while you remain here still in your sins. As Henry says, ministers die, die prematurely it may be, but the word of the Lord endures forever and does not die with them. God was clear in his direction to the prophet and he was responsible for what he did. And we come lastly to the witness to Jeroboam. In verses 32 to 34, we see, for the saying that he called out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel, against all the houses of the high places that are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. After this thing, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way. Now look, don't just go by that. The prophet had prophesied against the altar. His hand had withered. This this prophet himself had disobeyed God, and he was punished for it. Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way but made priests for the high places again from among all the people. Any who would 
he ordained to be priests of the high places. And this thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam, so as to cut it off and to destroy it from the face of the earth. Say, listen, if you disobey the Word of God, and you disobey the Word of God, and you disobey the Word of God, your heart will become harder and harder and harder. A denomination that disobeys the Word of God and disobeys the Word of God will not be able to discern the truth when it's right in front of them. A minister who, who curries the favor of men, who doesn't say what is true, who doesn't stand for the truth, after a while there's, there's no bite to what he says. There's no, there's no teeth to sink into the soul. God was clear in his direction to this prophet. The witness to Jeroboam, what is it? If Jeroboam had heard that the prophet who stood against him had disobeyed God and was not disciplined for that disobedience, what would he have thought about what he could get away with? But Jeroboam's heart is harder and harder and harder. He didn't repent. And wouldn't you think that having seen the power of his word, his hand withered and restored, this prophet himself punished for disobedience, would you not think that he would bow before the Lord and acknowledge God's word? It is one thing to know intellectually that God's word is true. It is another thing to want the word of God to be true. Let me repeat that. It is one thing to know intellectually that the Word of God is true. It is another thing to have a heart that loves the Word of God and wants it to be true. I think we're facing that in our denomination right now. Is someone facing that within his heart this evening? Now, to whom is the writer of 1 Kings communicating? Well, if you remember, 1 Kings is communicating to those who are in exile what is the message? Why have you been carried into exile? You have been carried into exile because you were not obedient to the word of the Lord. You didn't have a heart that loved the word. And so what is the message? When you return, obey the word of God. Submit to the word. And to us, the message is the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. People of God, love that word, hold that word, obey the word of God. We live in a day in which we are told that if we preach grace, we cannot also preach obedience. That because of grace, people can live any old way. The truth of the matter is, the heart that has been saved by grace is a heart that is renewed by that grace to live under the authority of the Word of God. The message here is love the Word of God because there's still a lion in the way that seeks to devour the children of God, a roaring lion that seeks whom he may devour. And the only way to escape the pain of that devouring is by loving the Word of God. And lost sinner who may be here, yes, on a Sunday evening, if God this, did this to his child, a child whom he loved, yet he disciplined, the true child of God is saved by grace 
unto obedience. We all have broken God's law and we deserve God's eternal wrath. If he will discipline his child, he will pour wrath out upon those who are not his children who have not trusted in Jesus Christ. And so the message is, flee to Jesus Christ, the only refuge of sinners. Thus saith the Lord. Amen and amen.